Hello, welcome back to the Fitcast Book Club. This is episode number three. For this episode, we're going to be talking about Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And I am super pumped because I get to have Kevin Carr on for this episode. And if you don't know Kevin Carr, you should, first off, because he's a nut job like me because he is like running multiple different businesses, doing tons of different things, including like kind of running the show now at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning, you know, organizing a lot of the coaches there. Also doing tons of presentations worldwide and running his own business, Movement is Medicine, inside of uh, Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning, I guess like on the side of it. And also a co-founder of Certified Functional Strength Coach Certification. Holy crap, Kev. That's a big list. <laughs> that is that is Just a big like you. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, one of the, great things about you and one of the reasons why I obviously wanted to have you on this show and including the other shows is like you're you're constantly reading even doing all that stuff you're still making time to to get better going to events reading new books doing things that are going to help you be you know better at what you do and a better a better leader at at our facility now because you've been there just as long as I have now and it's it's kind of like you look around and like man, we've kind of been there longer than just about anyone now. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I was I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, and he's like, "Well, how long have you been here?" And I'm like, "I'm, I'm counting the, the years." And I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, <laughs> it was early 2008." <laughs> now we, I look back, and you're like, "Wow, like time flies, man." Yeah, we should get like uh, maybe Mike will get us like a watch when we hit 10 years or something like that. That that maybe like yeah, an like, Apple Watch. Yeah, like a ceremonial like. Uh, boils uh pendant or something like yeah. that or like a but, case uh, of muscle milk i don't know <laughs> yeah you should put, put one on the machine right but no like, like you said about too with the the reading is like when you're, you're in an atmosphere with a lot of young people who are hungry and mm. and, and want to get better like that continues to motivate everybody here so for yeah. for me and you guys who've been here for a while like it's it's continuing to kind of try to lead from the front and uh and just and stay keep the pace with everybody else as well you know yeah, and that's that's like one of the things that I wanted to bring up is, you know, I haven't talked to Kev a lot about this, but, you know, one of the reasons why I continue to like push myself, I, this is the best analogy that I can use is like maybe a couple of years ago, like three or four years ago, I felt like I was the like, I was the kid that hit the growth spurt and I was like kind of leading the basketball team. You know what I mean? And then you have... <laughs> Then you have like all the other kids that like, you know, grow up too and they, they start to get taller and they become to get skilled and now just kind of being taller than everyone else isn't going to be good enough. You kind of have to match everyone else in terms of what they're doing to to get better. And, you know, people like yourselves, people like Brendan, people like Marco at our facility have really have really helped like light a fire under me to do better work and to do more and to think, well, maybe if they can do it, why, why am I not even working, you know, just as hard or, or even harder? Like, why am I not doing that stuff? So it, it's just put together a great environment, but we're also going to be talking about five dysfunctions of a team today. Yeah. And <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I said, we're, uh, we're in a gym full of sharks. Like that everyone is working yeah. hard and, and we're a team, but mm-hmm. we're also really competitive too. Like we're, right. we're really competitive. Like I look over Marco when he learned something new, I'm like, shit, I, I gotta be able to do that. It's right. like, I gotta learn that. And then when I look at Ken programming. I'm like, man, he's like, he's, he's really, really good. Like <laughs> Ken's a really good coach. And I'm like, sh- like shit, that lights a fire under my ass to, to keep being good. And then you look around and we got a team full of people who, who all feel that way. So it's, it's, that's uh, I think a little bit of competitiveness and, and, uh, team cohesiveness, it, it, it starts to build a team that's, that's pretty powerful. So, yeah. Well, let's, uh, I mean, let's talk about why this, this book may have come up in the first place. Maybe it was the same time for, I think it was the same time for, for all of us is, um, maybe it was about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than a year ago that there's like in our, and we talked about this in our like staff meetings and stuff like the, the, the whole concept of five dysfunctions of a team. Uh, it came up because I was talking with Mark Fisher, uh, about, you know, stuff going on in our gym and, and definitely like that's, it's, it's a situation that you run into sometimes when, like you said, people are really hungry, like they're trying to like position themselves in the company or, you know, sometimes you have some other people that are just getting comfortable or, or people that are, and this is the big thing I think, you know, for, for our gym and for many places in, you know, just corporations is that fear of conflict kind of thing. Um, oh yeah. And not wanting to voice your opinion, but then waiting until after that meeting happened and then like just 
complaining about it instead and not actually doing anything about it. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe like in, in terms of like our, our facility, this is something that we probably should kind of like come back to more and more. Like I think it's something that you kind of have to like refuel within oh, the staff. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think with, with the book, like it's called five dysfunctions of a team. And I think sometimes like people read that title and they get kind of put off or they get offended because they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, the word dysfunction is really powerful, right? Like people hear that and they're like, Oh, I'm dysfunctional. Like we're not dysfunctional, mm-hmm. but it's important. Like you said, continue to revisit because it's not a condemnation or like it's, it's an assessment of your team, right? There's these five different, um, characteristics of teams, um, team problems that, mm-hmm. that Lencioni goes through and every team displays these at times. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if it's the best team, like the warriors last year, right? Like mm-hmm. the, on the outside, everything looks great, but you know, on the inside day to day, there's, it's a fluid state. Like things change, right? It's not like Draymond so, Green, like had a, had a big kind of blow up earlier in the year too. Like it's yeah, even, even right? the, and the then, best team in the NBA. Yeah. And it, it's not that these, the best teams, and the highest performers and best businesses don't do these things, but mm-hmm. the great teams recognize them and effectively manage them. And that's, that's like what this is all about. So, you know, like you said, I think the best thing you can do is continue. I mean, as a manager or as someone who's the newest like intern who's working for us, be able to identify, okay, you know, what, where are we struggling or what can we do better at and continue to, to kind of raise the bar. And that's, that's why this book is so good. Cause it's always, it's timeless for, for a business, you know? Yeah, I feel like it. It is almost something that maybe you wouldn't want to like. You wouldn't want to like put it up on a on the wall of of the gym or the break room or something like that because maybe even then you would kind of get numb to it. But um, even even something like this, I, I think we should probably revisit in our staff meetings, like every three months, every six months, or something like that. And, and that, hopefully, that's something that we could do down the road. All right. So we have. Yeah, what I was actually. Uh, go ahead. Oh, just on that quick one, like what I was actually. I was writing down notes because, I mean, summer's coming. We're going to do our big staff training week mm-hmm. um, in a few weeks here. And then, uh, like, I was, I was, I put together this presentation um, as part of, like, the when our onboarding week, when we have, like, all the part-time people come back and the full-time people go back through training and the interns go back through training to go through, like, you know, five dysfunctions of a team. Okay, like, these are the, the behaviors we should focus on as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a team to, to better ourselves. So you're right. I think it's probably smart for us to continue to, uh, to review it. Yeah, that seems like a huge, time, like a, like a perfect time to do it, just because you have this huge influx of new people. Like for for you, you're going to be kind of talking to what, like twenty twenty five interns. Yeah, yeah, we we effectively double in the summer in staff, so that's fun. Kind of uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so. Uh, again, I think this is something that, uh, in terms of the show, we're going to do our best to, to talk about the book. But I think this is something to to really to really own this information. You should go and, and pick this book up. It's right now twelve dollars on Amazon dot com for for the book. And um, I would actually, this is one of the ones that I would actually more recommend getting the the physical book or the Kindle book instead of getting the audio book, just because you know there are some kind of graphics that help you understand exactly the the structure of the five dysfunctions of a team and the, the concept in general. So um, I would recommend doing that. And of course, if you're thinking about picking it up, go to the show notes at Network, and then Amazon will kick me like a dollar twenty after you purchase the book, <laughs> which will help uh, support the show. So the, the this book is actually set up really interestingly because the 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 the, the concepts themselves and the the setup is probably could be covered in like, you know, 10 pages, 15 pages or something like that. But um, there is actually a story that is put together to help you better understand the situations that could possibly come up. Um, and here's a quick description of the book just to, to get us going. In the five dysfunctions of a team, Patrick, uh, excuse me, Patrick uh, Lencioni once again offers a leadership table that is an enthralling and instructive uh, as his first two best-selling books, The Five Temptations of a CEO and The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive. Kev, have you read either of those? Kev may have paused for a second. I'm gonna... I want to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You were breaking up for a second. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I uh, I actually haven't read either of those. I'd like to actually pick up both of them. It's uh... I should get to the uh, to the reading list. 
Absolutely. Um, so uh, I'll continue. This time uh, he turns his keen intellect and storytelling power to the fascinating and complex world of teams. So uh, again, that, that whole storytelling power comes in with the the main character of Catherine and her, her co-workers and how they go about kind of digesting this information and observing themselves and, and maybe where they fall in with these five dysfunctions and the five dysfunctions themselves are uh, absence of trust at the, at the base of the pyramid, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, inattention to results. Um, those are the five and we will kind of break those down uh, a little bit, but Kev, I'm interested, uh, you know, what did you think of the, I kind of like the setup for the book of, of making like a fictional story t- to help you, I guess, better, better see how these might take place in a workplace. I, I thought it was actually really helpful because like you said, if she, he, he could have covered this in like just a few pages to kind of explain it. And that would have made it pretty much like every other management book. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of other books um, in, in management courses and things that cover these exact things, maybe in different words. But when you tell it in a story, like you can identify people in the story who, mm-hmm. and you can identify yourself even more right. importantly, like, like, oh, shit, like I do those things. Like, mm-hmm. Or, hey, like that guy's the tortured genius who always like, you know, you know feels like he has to like prove him. you see all the, the personalities um, in the book, in the people around you and in yourself. So I think that it's really helpful because it kind of, it, it makes it real to you. Like sometimes when you read these books, you, you get a lot of these like buzzwords and concepts, mm-hmm. but then as far as like identifying, identifying it, it within the environment around you, it can be hard to do. So I think it was a, a, a good move by him kind of putting it in a, a, a story form, you know? Well, let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Uh, absence of trust. And I, I look at this and I'll, I'll read kind of like a block quote of, of how it's described in the book. But but for me, absence of trust is, is kind of two things. Uh, one, like this is something that, that, Kev, you know I've dealt with with like the certification of like needing to kind of be able to kind of let go and, and trust, you know, other coaches to to coach this stuff and not feel like I have to micromanage everything and and sign off on everything and, and uh, kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's giving them full trust to perform something just like at the same level that, that you would. Um, and the other side is obviously people, this is work. Sometimes people get bored. They, they can gossip behind, you know, your back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was a couple of years ago. That was a real issue at our facility. Like to speak frankly, like a lot of people were, there were clicks. People were talking behind each other's backs. People were, uh, maybe the best way to put it is maybe jealous of the success of other people, but instead of doing anything about it, um, they would just kind of complain. Um, like this is something that mm-hmm. I talked with Nick Winkleman on the last show about, like I have this kind of thing that that's always in the back of my head. It's like, all right, Kev, well, you can either, you can either get angry about the situation or you can take action. You can either kind of be angry about someone else's success. Like if you see them getting an article in men's health or a best-selling ebook or whatever, or, you know, if you think you can do it better, go take action. Um, what, what is absent of, absence of trust mean to you? With teams, is that like people like a team is a group of people like work together like for a common goal, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Like a a team and like a definition of like a successful team isn't a group of people that work together. It's a group of people that trust each other. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's a big there's a there's a big difference because I think if you go in a lot of workplaces, you don't necessarily see a bunch of people who trust and care about each other. Like the big thing you always hear when I not with us really because I think we're a pretty tight group. Like, uh, like we all hang out. A lot of us hang out outside of the gym. Um, socially and we're friends and like we, we care about each other. But I think when you talk to like, I talk to some of my friends who work in different industries and it's all like, Oh, I can't stand this person I work with. Or Mm -hmm. like, I don't like this person or like, and it's all, it's all that like side talking, like you talked about. And I think the biggest thing you can people like really trust and, and care about each other. And, and trust means honesty, not just like, Hey, you won't talk behind my back, but trust in the sense that like, Hey, if I'm, if I'm screwing up, like I trust you to come and tell me also, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and for us, it's about like, we used to talked about, you know, we had maybe people who were 
either side talking or people who might not, you know, who might be bitter about things like that. And it's all goes back to lack of communication. You know, like if, if like, if I was doing something, you have like, you know, I, I think that's, that's, that's bullshit. I'd be like, I, that's, that's clear communication that makes it very easy. And then you deal with things and go from there. Right. Whereas like if you just went down the hall and was like, Hey, I talked to Marco. And, and you're like, hey, Kevin's Kevin's an asshole, but you never said that to me. Mm-hmm. Then you know, then that's where you have dysfunction. So it's just about honesty and, and being able to you know tell people when they're doing well, tell people when they're doing poor, and know that everyone at the at the gym you know has your best interests at heart and has the gym's best interests at heart. Right, and it's and it's like you n- never does it get worse if you go and talk to someone and be honest about it. Like if you if you're just like, hey, I just want to like let you know, like it's really. Like it's kind of bugging me to see you like on the floor and and you're coaching, but you're not even paying attention to your group. Like I feel like you're just kind of talking to the interns the whole time, or you're talking, you know, you're you're kind of disappearing and going to the back and looking at your phone. Like I just want to let you know, like that's that's a really bad look, and it's it's something that I wanted to point out instead of going to like you said, going to someone else and being like, yeah, like I can't believe it when you know Billy is is he's coaching on the floor, but he's not even paying attention to his group. Like he doesn't, it looks like he doesn't even care about being out there. Like that's not going to mm-hmm. help. Like going to that person and talking. So like that's tough. That's still like a big ladder to climb to get to the point where you 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 like feel comfortable going and talking to that person. But if you can manage it, you're you're always going to feel better, and they will feel better really about. Even if it isn't immediately, they'll feel better that you went to them and not to like Mike or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like for me, you know, as a manager, and this is going to kind of, I love that these things, all these principles kind of go right into the next one because I start yeah. to talk about um, communication is like me as someone, when you start to lead people who are essentially your peers and the same age as you. And I mean, we're all young staff. Like you said, you and I are the oldest, but. You mean the range of age is like within 10 years. Yeah, it's like 30. 30 is the ceiling right now. Yeah, seriously. And like being able to manage people, like it's not always easy because you're like, you guys are socially friends and like we're all around the same age group and we're peers and we we like each other. So sometimes conflict like Mm -hmm. is tough and being able to communicate and say, hey man, like you gotta, you gotta do this better. Like, hey, this is how to manage it. That's an art form to be able to have those types of conversations and um, you, when you learn to have them, like everything is way easier because mm-hmm. you don't dance around the elephant in the room, um, of like, cause we all know what's like, if, if something's going wrong at the gym, everybody I can identify it. Like it's a small place. Right. So, but the, the inability to address it is what causes friction and, and causes distrust. And, and you know, once, once everyone can talk really frankly, it makes, it makes it really easy to be honest. Uh, here's a quick quote from the uh, the book. Uh, the fact is, if we don't trust one another, and it seems to me that we don't, then we can't. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, we cannot be the kind of team that ultimately achieves results. And so that is where uh, we're going to focus first. Like that is how important it is in terms of the concept of the story that they're telling in the book. You know, if, if you're in a situation where people do not like trust each other, at least to you know, at a minimum, be able to do their job at the level that you think that they should be doing it at, or, um, you know, trust them to not to keep private conversations private, um, then, you know, none of this stuff above it really matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just going down to like the technical stuff of like coaching, like when I look at our staff, like I do, I, you can you can honestly say like, wow, and I know you feel the same way. Like I trust that person to take this group. I trust that person to take this this uh, personal training client. Sometimes, like you said, even when you're when you're kind of like a a, a leader, you're someone who's been here for a while. It can be hard sometimes to let go and be like, "Hey, I'm going to just let you run with this." Like, or mm-hmm. like you letting someone you know coach an event who hasn't coached. And it's hard to sometimes let go, but then ultimately, the feeling that gives that person is like, "Wow, Kevin really trusts me to run a CFSC." Right. Like that's that's a huge booster for them, and then you being able to to delegate down on them and let them do that, um, creates a team that that's a lot more powerful. And sometimes, you know, it's, I always think about like the first time I start letting interns kind of like lead groups, right. Um, and how that makes them feel. Like I remember when I was an intern, like when like Josh Bonatal would let me take, <laughs> remember? Yeah. Yeah. Or when I let, when I had, um, like I was assisting Devin McConnell, it was Stoneham mm-hmm. girls high school track. And he's like, Oh, you can, you can take them today. And he might not have thought he might have just needed a breather. Devin just might have needed an afternoon off, right? Mm-hmm. 
but like for me, that was like huge. And now like I always had that feeling like, wow, he trusts me. Like I felt really good about him and I felt really good about myself as a coach. And you realize those little things, um, go a long way, you know, in, in, in letting people coach. And that is something I think Mike does a good job at is letting people, letting people coach and letting people yes. try and, and, and trusting them to, that they'll, they'll get the job done. And that's, uh, it, it it made me feel good. I remember as a as a young staff member. So I try to remember that when I have new coaches here, um, giving them opportunities and, and showing them, them trust. God, and I'm I'm so bad at that. Um, and yeah. I, and I think it's like like part part of my rationale behind it though is like I only take one group, so I'm I'm coaching two days a week. And for for me, it's it's so it's much more of like a, a selfish thing of all right. Well, I just. I love, like if I'm only going to coach for three hours this week, I'm going to bust my ass and I want to have a lot of fun doing it. And like, I will still give the interns, you know, intern like stuff like, Hey, you know, hang out with this new kid and, and, you know, make sure that, you know, they, they do their gobble squats correctly, make sure they're doing their, their chin ups correctly. And like, yeah, it's kind of like a, not the best job of having to hang out with the new kid the whole time. But, um, that's something that that I still struggle with, and probably do a bad job of still continuing to rationalize why I do what I do. Um, well, I hear you. Like when you're in the zone, coaching man, you're in the zone. Like I, you don't want to stop. Well, it's I don't like, want to share. That's like a, it's no, like it's, that's your flow state, though, man. Yeah. That's like I know how it feels too. You're you're you don't want to let up. It's a, it, that's the feel good part of the job, right there. Let's let's talk. Okay, fear of conflict is is what's next, and this is this is I know for sure for me in. My whole life, this has been my number one biggest flaw is fear of conflict. Like I, I don't even like I, like fear of conflict in everything. Like I am tr- always avoiding like uh, uncomfortable situations. Like my, like part of my uh, therapy is like watching curb your enthusiasm, right, Kev? Because it's like <laughs> it's all uncomfortable situations. So I feel like part of that is like trying to help me get better at being incredibly uncomfortable and just how easily like Larry David can go into like conflict. Not a problem. He has no fear of conflict. He doesn't care. Like whatever. That that show can make you cringe with the <laughs> the level of uncomfortableness in some of the co- situations. I love that. It is for sure. And um, like even in, in like what we do, like fear of conflict with, I mean, that, that was, I think one of the big things that, that we talked about, whatever it was a year, a year and a half ago in our, and our staff is that everyone was worried about kind of speaking up and not everyone, but there was, that was an issue with people uh, being not maybe feeling like they could speak up in a staff meeting because they're in a room with, you know, not just Mike Boyle, but it's like Mike Boyle and maybe 20 coaches, 25 coaches. So if you have a disagreement, you're going to be kind of putting yourself really, put really putting yourself out there and, if you've only been there for six months or even, even a year and you're in a group or uh, in a room with people that have been there for five, eight years, 10 years, um, it gets a little bit harder. Um, and that's something, Kev, I, I still struggle with that. I still suck at doing that. Uh, even to the point, like we had a meeting for CFSC last week where you kind of have to like put on your like boss hat, like, because it's like, here are the things that we need to keep in mind going into the summer. Like we have to make sure you know, for travel stuff, you know, make sure that we're always on time for stuff. Make sure you're always prepared, like you're responsible for bringing your uniform and, and all that stuff. And you got to make sure that you're at your best for every single one of those events. Like, God, those are still really uncomfortable situations. I hate having those talks still. Yeah. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be hard to be the boss. And I, I, I true, this is definitely the thing that I've worked the hardest on. And I'm, I, I don't say worked cause I'm still working at it. Uh, because like I'll tell you, like my friends, they used, they used to call me Switzerland, right? Because I'd be like neutral, <laughs> right? But I realized you can't you can't be like that and mm-hmm. to be a leader. Um, but it's and it's about how you go about conflict because like our again, it's a strong word. People hear conflict and like they think of of problems, but conflict mm-hmm. can just mean hey, like this is constructive criticism or this is what we need to do better. Um, because like you said, we just want to be the best. All we want to continue to raise the bar and. And to, in order, if you really do believe that that's what you want to do, you're going to have to to ruffle some feathers and right. tell some people, "Hey, this is how it needs to be done." Because you know, people, our employees aren't coming in off the street from an internship, and, and gonna, they're not going to be at the same level as someone who's been here. So our job as leaders is to to share. And like you said about our staff, I think that yeah, that was probably our biggest reoccurring problem. 
um, both in staff meetings and just on the floor in general, um, you know, being able to critique another coach, not because you right. want to be like, hey, what you do sucks, but being able to be like, hey, this is how we can do it better mm-hmm. and, and, and learning how to have those, those conversations. So um, and, and the staff meetings could be tough. Like I remember I, when I was younger, remember we used to do the staff meetings in the lobby, right? Yeah. We, that's when we had a smaller staff even then and because we'd, we'd be like Mike's talking and you know, Mike, can, Mike can go. Mike can talk. And, and these then, are being filmed. We should keep that yeah. in mind. Like, even if people can't hear you talking, like, especially back then when a couple of people were in front of the camera, like, this is being filmed. So there's also going to be like 600 people watching it online. Mm-hmm. And and then you have your window to kind of be like, hey, this is what I feel and this is what I believe in. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard as a younger coach to be like, hey, I think that we can do this better. But in reality, you know that you know, guys like Mike or myself or you, like, we want the best thing out there. And it, I would be more upset if you didn't share, if you were like, hey, Kevin, I think the way that you run your adult group sucks. <laughs> now, no, you don't say it like that, but you'd be like, hey, I think that the way you can do this better is is this. Like, I would appreciate right. that because we all have blind spots mm-hmm. um, in what we do. And sometimes you, you'll, you'll get uh, some real valuable feedback from even the youngest coach in the gym. And I, what I, what I, one thing I've been doing in, is just I kind of, kind of crowdsource, uh, staff meeting points people within the gym because people will not send Mike or Bob like an email mm-hmm. and be like, hey, I think we need to go over this. You know, you know, everybody has thoughts of things we take out the trash to how do we coach Hanklins, right? Maybe a whole spectrum. And, you know, so I, I'll go around, like I talk to Marco, I talk to Scott, um, I'll, I talk to you, with Christina, anybody, and I'll say, like, okay, what, what are things that we should think about talking about this week? Because Mike appreciates that when we have a lot of like a lot of talking points, right? And those have always been our best meetings when we have like a list of, of things that we need to do better. Because then everyone starts to chime in. It's a great discussion. So, you know, sometimes just, just get able to, to start to talk and then kind of generating a list and then bring it into the meeting with a real solid agenda can, can kind of light a fire in those meetings. No, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, this is, this is why that, even if we're kind of like trying to practice this stuff, it's good to continue to to bring back up um, so we can continue to, to make sure that we kind of stay at the same level of quality uh, as, as we go forward. And you only get better with more input. Like even if you don't necessarily have, if someone like presents something and even if it's not a better idea, it might spur some kind of like thinking or, or more conversation that will lead us to maybe some some better ways of, of doing things, um, which is, which is super, super important. So I'm going to quickly, uh, read some, some quotes that kind of stood out, uh, from this, this in terms of how the author was, was talking about fear of conflict. Um, and this is like the perfect way to, to stage this. If we don't trust one another, then we aren't going to engage in open, constructive ideological conflict. And we'll just continue to, uh, preserve, a sense of artificial harmony. Uh, so again, if you don't have that trust initially, fear of conflict, it's not even going to matter because you've got to nail that bottom of the pyramid first. Um, and they, they brought up, you know, the idea of why is harmony a problem? Like, why is that, why is that a big deal? Um, and again, in the terms of the characters of the story, uh, they say it's the lack of conflict. That's a problem. Harmony uh, itself is good. I suppose if it comes as a result of working through issues constantly and cycling through conflict. But if it comes only as a result of people holding back their opinions and honest concerns, then it's a bad thing. I trade uh, that false kind of harmony any day for a team's willingness to argue effectively about an issue and then walk away with no collateral damage. Exactly. And like, in even all the way down to like the little things about like, Hey, what's the best, like Marco and I have been going over like procedures in movement as Madison about, okay, like how do we like do, th- how do we manage the laundry situation? How do we manage, uh, you know, cleaning, uh, tools, the most efficient and effective and cleanly way, like little things. And we'll like me and him are going back and forth for weeks. Like we think this is the best way. This is the best way. Right. But I'll tell you, like now we have a system, but like, he might want to do things one way. I might want to do things one way. Scott might want to do things one way. But we continue to kind of like tweak it. But we're definitely better. Like we did this this whole week. We're better now on Saturday than we were on Monday. 
and we have a system. And I just think about the meeting we had a few weeks ago about like core stuff, right? We talked mm-hmm. about, you know, bracing, um, posterior tilting, things like that, way to, way to cue like anti-extension. That was like an hour meeting of us debating, you know, like how to brace, right? And Ken and I still talked about it for like a week and a half after. But now <laughs> like, seriously, we were going like, what do I think this is right? But we were going back and forth. And now we kind of came to a, a consensus of like, okay, this is what we mean mm-hmm. when we say, you know, brace. So this is what we mean when we, we tell someone to, to breathe out, right? And it, it could be, you know, something really trivial, but now we have a level, we have a consensus of what we believe and we, we have a system. And um, I, I just think about on the floor too, like you, you have, like you and I would have no problem if there was an intern coaching something wrong, being like, hey, this is how I need you to coach it, right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm on the floor and I'm coaching something wrong, it's more. It might be more awkward for you to come up to me, right? It's even, or Mike, it Kev, it's like, even like awkward if like I see so like you're maybe you have a group of fourteen. You can't always look mm-hmm. at all fourteen at the same time. Even sometimes it's awkward if I go and correct someone like in your group because then mm-hmm. it looks like I'm kind of stepping on your toes. At least that's how I kind of view it when people like. And I this was way different. Like maybe two years ago, I'm like obviously way better at it now. And now that I've thought about this stuff and how I interact with staff more. But um, like if someone came in and like helped out like one of my, my athletes or something like that, like right next to me, I'd be like, Oh, you're coming in with like no context of the situation or how I've been helping them before. Like maybe that's way better than what they were mm-hmm. looking at before, because then I get self-conscious of like my coaching because they see one of my athletes not doing something perfectly or something like that. Yeah. And then you also get like self-conscious. So it's like it starts a, a negative energy kind of thing going on. Yeah. And I, so like I said, these things like one thing bleeds the next, like the whole right. Uh, the, the, right. So I remember we had there's been things like that, even like, hey, I, if you're if like you have like four personal training clients, and you're coaching one and there's another guy over behind you who like is holding the kettlebell the wrong way. <laughs> right. You got to go coach that because because yeah. we're a team like and I think a lot of times, especially with trainers, because Mike even says like it's like you're when you're a personal trainer within a business, like, it's almost like you're running your own business within the business. Like you mm-hmm. set your schedule, you communicate with them on your own, you you manage your groups. But like we're still all team MBSC. Right. And we're committed to the product on that floor. And that means like your client, my client, the middle school group, the high mm-hmm. school group the pro group, it's all a pro- our product. And like Mike always says, like, imagine we're coaching with glass walls, right? And people can see what's going on. And like, I want, I want like every coach to be able to come in here and me be able to say, say, damn, I'm proud of like what's on the floor. Right. And there's an ego thing. Um, if people aren't fully committed to like the team totally. idea and they're like, they're like, Hey, like don't coach math. Like, Cause every coach wants to like, think like when you're out there coaching and you're in your groove, like you said, like when you're coaching your middle school group and you're in your flow, like you're the man right then. Because you feel like, man, I, I like I got this going, but I and I think everyone goes through a phase where you're like, man, like I like I want to just coach my athletes. Like you, like you said, you don't have context, but man, if if you can give that twelve year old kid that's down like thirty feet away from me in the gym, and I'm coaching this other kid, if you can give him a cue to fix that SLDL, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's what I want then because because then that we're that much better. And like if everybody has that cohesiveness, we're like, Hey, I trust this is back to trust. If I trust mm-hmm. you to come in and give a good cue to a kid in my group while I'm coaching these kids on cleans and you're helping him with his plank, then man, then we have a team that's better. Whereas if it's like, Hey, I'm, a, I don't want to touch Larrabee's group. Like he's over there. I do my thing. He's doing his, his thing. Right. Neither of us win, but the kid loses. Right. Exactly. And the product looks worse. So it's a, it's about like, Hey, let's all work together. Cause we all know what's good. We have a system, a coaching system. And the good thing is like, Mike's developed this beautiful system where we're like, hey, everybody knows what the goal is. Everyone knows what the route is to make things easier, make things harder, progress and regress and where we want to end up. So it, it creates a system where like I trust I, – if I, if I just left you a program and gave you a couple notes on like one of my PT clients, I know like – because you know how to do it, right, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. So and, – and that can be hard. You know, Everyone's got ego. Everyone's got ego. So it's just – it's about just continuing to to think about what the goal is, which is to have us be the best facility in the world, right? And speaking of of ego, uh, we're going to take a quick break because I'm going to try to make sure that this network is successful. So probably I'm going to run maybe an ad here or maybe I'll talk about something that you could probably pick up and help support the show that way. So stick around. We'll be right back with more of Five Dysfunctions of a Team. 
Well, I know what I'm going to do, Kev. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk to the people on how they can support this show because I don't know if you've seen this, but podcasts, they're actually kind of hard to do, especially if you want them to sound good. I know Kev had some internet issues, but I've been working my butt off to make sure that these shows are fantastic for you guys to listen to and they, they have some value. And it means a lot if you if you kind of reciprocate and you help support this show and this network. You can do that in two ways. You can go to fitcast.network and you can just, before you go to Amazon, just go to the link at the top right-hand corner, click on that before you buy anything from Amazon. Mr. Amazon says, hey, Kev, like, that's super cool. Like, you're the best. Like, you've been doing a real solid for me. Here, I'm going to give you a little bit of a cut back. That's, that's, that's huge. And it's something that you can do and not really have to lose any uh, additional funds for it. Because I understand times are tight. Not everyone has the ability to support the show financially, but you may still need to buy toilet paper. And when you do it, just you know, give a little of that TP money back to me. So the other way that you can do it is by making a one-time or a monthly donation through PayPal. I'll be real. There's been two donations to the network since I've started this thing, which is, you know, as someone that's starting a business and, you know, I understand it's a little bit of a hurdle to make a donation through PayPal. Uh, but I, I hope more people step up because, I mean, these shows are, are ad free, this one in particular, and I don't have advertising for it. So the only way that I can support these shows is through you, through people that are listening to the show. So, uh, it would mean a lot if you also uh, go to fitgas.network, you make a one-time or a monthly contribution through PayPal. They accept all credit cards, or you can use your PayPal account. And it helps me put these shows together because they take a lot of time. So thank you so much to everyone that does do that. You guys are, are part of an elite few that have made the extra effort to do that stuff. So thank you so much. Let's get back to the show with Kev. Okay, we're back continuing to talk about Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And we have, of course, three more things to talk about. Uh, first is lack of commitment. So, Kev, I mean, I know you've also done like you put together a whole presentation on this. So um, how did you uh, put into context the, the lack of commitment, with how you were talking about it? Well, I mean... We're, we're a small team, but it, by business definition, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, if we're all committed to the same why, and like this kind of blends into the Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. It's another book for the book club, maybe. Absolutely. Um, yeah. um, like if we're all committed to the same why, then like we can be really, really powerful. And I think that's the old saying. It's like if we have, you know, a million people going an inch in a different direction, we don't get anywhere. But if mm-hmm. we got like our staff of 25 and we're all facing the same way and pushing against the same rock, then like that's a lot of momentum. Right. And it's all of us again, you know, going back to the, the last thing, the whole lack of commitment, right? Like if we all are wise, like to be the best, you know, health provider, that's because what I picture ourselves as in mm-hmm. performance outlet for, you know, everything from a 12 year old to an 80 year old. Right. Then, and, and we, truly believe in like, Hey, we want to deliver world-class coaching and world-class education to coaches. And, and, and we all believe that everyone here buys into that. Why? Then it's very easy because our, our, how is already defined. Like Mike, Mike developed our training system. Like that's, that's, we all, if everyone trains here and we work here, we all kind of execute along the same lines. Mm -hmm. So the why is the thing where people kind of get, get blurry and, you know, all kind of buying into the same uh, the same belief system is kind of what is going to make us the most powerful. Checking in, Mike. Mike makes it very clear to everyone like what we want to achieve here, which is good. Like he's, you know, he he tells everyone like, listen, we want to provide a, a happy, you know, fun multi-level atmosphere, like where a twelve-year-old could come, or a college guy can come, or a pro guy can come, or mm-hmm. an adult can come, and everyone feels comfortable. But we're also providing the best product that keeps people healthy and safe and and, and feeling good, right? I think that's kind of the best way to to put it. And we have two more to hit on in about uh, 10 minutes. So we'll we'll keep moving forward because this is the avoidance of accountability is probably, uh, I mean, one of of the biggest ones in in why businesses fail uh, when there is lack of accountability with 
people that that should be doing the things that they need to be doing. Um, and that like kind of goes along with low standards. And this is a, a quote that we'll kind of use to tee this thing off. Um, once we achieve clarity and buy-in, it is then we have to hold each other accountable for what we sign up to do for high standards of performance and behavior. And as simple as it sounds, most executives hate to do it, especially when it comes to a peer's behavior because they want to avoid uh, interpersonal discomfort. This goes back to fear of conflict. Um, I'm talking about uh, that moment when you know you have to call one of your peers on something that matters and you decide to let it go because you just don't want to experience that feeling when, you know, she... uh, uh, when you have to tell someone to shut down their email during the meetings or like, you know, again, it, it goes to that thing we we're talking about before when you have to be like, all right, well, sorry, Bill, but you're, you're not paying attention to your athletes. Like you're just kind of like not even coaching today. Like what's going on? Like, again, it, it kind of goes back to the, the fear of conflict and, and keeping people accountable. And Kev, like you run into this even more now because like, again, you're, you're kind of like leading the floor and you kind of have to do this more than ever now. Yeah. And I like a big part about, you know, leadership and I think leadership's multidirectional. So like you might have myself who's been here and, and it might be managing a staff. Um, but I think that, you know, leadership can come from, from anybody at any level and the accountability, you know, goes back to, you know, you all, at any business, uh, you have people who often will complain, but not provide solutions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, my group had like 25 people in it. Again, like this group is too big. Well, you go up to myself or you go to Mike or you go to, you know, another person in management. You say, hey, like we need to manage this situation. And it's very easy. But a lot of times people will will just complain about things but not then be accountable for them. And it, the second you recognize something that needs to be managed, then you are now responsible for it. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, that could be something as small as like, hey, the shake machine isn't filled. Well, be accountable to get the shake machine filled. That might mean asking an intern, hey, I got a group. Can you go fill the shake machine? Or it could be like, hey, I'm going to go fill the shake machine, right? Uh, but just being, just being direct and, um, and you know, being, holding yourself accountable. And like as a leader, like, like I know for myself, like if something is wrong, it's, I, it's my fault, right? And, you know, yeah, again, like a lot of these books kind of bleed together, like the whole extreme ownership thing. Like do you own, you know, that do you own what's going on out there down to the lowest thing? Like I went into the bathroom the other day and the, and the sink was messy, right? That's normal, mm-hmm. right? You get a lot of kids coming out of there and I'm like, shit, that's my fault. Right. And, and like right then when I was going to do it, Aaron cleaned it. And I was like, see, I love that because everybody's accountable for, for something and mm-hmm. that, could, or it could be something bigger. Like, Hey, the, you know, the programming um, for this group is screwed up. Like I'm accountable for that. Whether or not, if I actually wrote that program or not, like you, everybody, you want everyone to kind of have that that feeling of of accountability um, and not finger point or not complain, um, and that that when everyone's committed to the cause and and willing to communicate, that that one tends to kind of help take care of itself. Yeah, and this is uh, kind of going off of that. Uh, without committing to a clear path of action, even the most focused and driven people can often hesitate to call their peers on actions and behaviors that seem counterproductive to the good of the team. Um, and let's, uh, let's wrap up and we'll talk about inattention to results. Uh, and this is another uh, piece from the, the book. Uh, failure to hold one another accountable creates an environment where the fifth dysfunction can thrive. Inattention to results occur when team members put their individual needs, such as ego, career development, or recognition, or even the needs of their uh, decisions above the collective goals of the team. And this is something that we really almost like started talking about like it's it's something that kind of makes our facility special where we have a bunch of people that are really trying to you know be successful like they're working on career development and stuff like that but we're doing it in the context of making the the gym better and still not always thinking all right well how is this going to make me better but how is it going to make the gym better how is it going to make the the certification better how is this going to make movement as medicine better Mm-hmm. And I, what's cool with us is like I feel like you know we are extremely hyper aware about you know paying attention to results on a training and performance level like yeah. like that that I'd say if we had a strength in all the a really big strength and it's like hey I, like I really really good reassessing and building a program I think that 
things um, all over in attention to like essentially your behaviors as like how you carry yourself on the floor, your energy level, and how that affects the people around you and affects your clients, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a like I might be in at five in the morning. And I'm also here, I might also be here at 8 p.m. at night, right? Sometimes this is the job. We, it's a long day. And by the end of the day, you're tired. Well, that coach, that athlete that comes in at seven doesn't care that you're up at four, right? And, mm-hmm. But your energy is, is, is um, communicative in a sense that like if I'm tired, they're probably going to be tired. If I'm like sitting down, they're going to want to sit down. And, and I'll, actually, this is a good <laughs> example is um, Fab, the, the basketball guy mm-hmm. from Germany that I was training for a while, a good friend. He, he was in here and he's like one of those guys who's always high energy. And there was um, a coach that was like, he was tired. It was the afternoon. He was sitting down and, and I remember just Fab walked over to him calmly and just said, hey, give me your hands. And he picked up the coach off the, <laughs> off the pile box and he goes, he goes, good coaches never sit and just walked away. <laughs> and yeah. this is coming from a guy who's coached and played basketball. He's in his mid forties, played for years. And, but that's, that's the energy. Like it's just a little behavioral things like, Hey, what's your body language? You know, I remember like, don't cross the arms, don't sit, don't lean, mm-hmm. don't slouch. Right. And all that is, is energy transfer. Just like, Hey, if I'm having a bad day and I'm in here and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pouting or I'm dragging and I'm being negative. Like that's energy that someone else is going to catch that energy. And, and that is the biggest thing I think as a team, you know, usually teams are really good at technical stuff. Like if you're in the tech industry, like the example in the book, like they're, they, they're probably really good at seeing like, wow, like our, our product is really good and, and it's really effective. But mm-hmm. the negative energy was the problem, right? It was the fact that people were dragging their feet and people were complaining and then that catches, right? And if you create a culture where that doesn't exist or you hold people accountable when it does exist, then you have a, a a culture where there's a lot of high energy and a lot of positivity and then good ideas thrive and, and grow. So, um, from a managerial standpoint, I think that's the most important thing. The, uh, I had something I was going to mention. What, what, what the hell was I going to say? Um, Oh yeah. Okay. So wait, maybe it was, I think it was in between the time where, where you were interning and you, and you were finishing up school, uh, before you came back when, uh, Todd Durkin came in and, you know, that was the first time that I heard like, all right, well, even if you're having a bad day, like that's the stuff where you get to check that stuff at the door before you come in, because nobody wants to hang out with someone who's in a bad mood. No one wants to be coached by someone who looks like they don't care. Um, if you're, if you're that kind of person, you're probably in the wrong profession because we're really like, you mentioned this a lot. Like we're in the job of making people's lives better. We are life improvers. Like we're assisting in that. And being a downer for someone during the day is uh, not going to really help when they're trying to work in performance or fat loss or whatever. So, um, well, let's, uh, we'll wrap things up and, and I will uh, again mm-hmm. mention that, uh, you can pick up the, the book in, in, uh, go to fitcast.network where you can get the link for it. You can check out the show notes for this show for the fitcast book club and all the other great shows on there. And, uh, if you aren't already, you can follow Kevin at, Coach Kevin Carr on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, it is Kev underscore in underscore Carr. And also uh, the Movement is Medicine website is movement-as-medicine.com. And also from there, you can go to the Movement as Medicine uh, Instagram, which uh, Mike Boyle is very jealous of your 2,000 uh, <laughs> followers. 20. 20. Oh, sorry, 20,000. Sorry, my fault. Um but uh, that is movement as medicine, all one word on on Instagram. Uh, I don't know where Mike's at. Mike's Mike's chasing you guys right now. Um, I should probably look. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep pushing. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see, Mike's. At, oh, okay, Mike's at fourteen hundred. I mean, he's he's getting there, and he's posting he's posting dog selfies. All right, he's getting there. <laughs> hey, people like pets, man. Dude, I that's get a bulldog. Something in here. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> All right, well that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode of the Fit Ass Book Club. Um, Kev, what do you what would you give this on like a five star rating? Where would you rank this one? I I honestly give it a five star rating because it helped me because it's it, it's one of the ones you're gonna read and you're gonna look in the mirror a lot. And mm-hmm. those are the most valuable books for me. Like there's a lot of leadership and management books where you're like, yeah, I know that, right? But this one makes you be like, man, like I I need to be better at this. And those are the most uncomfortable reads, but they're also the best ones because they're actually going to make you be better. So 
Um, I, this is if you're in any team and in, in atmosphere, you're a manager um, of people. Um, I think this is one. It's a perfect one to give to everyone, like Mike mm-hmm. did, um, because it just it identifies your shortcomings, which is is priceless. And I, and I was going to mention uh, the the biggest mistake that you can make is think that this book is not for you because you don't think you're you're a leader where you are like right now. I can almost guarantee that no matter what position that you're in in your career or in life, you're going to have opportunities to lead, and this information is going to be incredibly valuable. Like, like you said, it's definitely a five star for me. This is essential reading. This is something that everyone should pick up, uh, and go through because you're making a huge mistake otherwise. So, uh, go and pick it up. And like I said, go through the the show notes or just go to fitcast.network, click on the upper right hand corner. There's an Amazon button. If you click on that, a little bit of the proceeds will go back to the network to help me produce this stuff. Uh, every single week and check out all the other shows on the network. And don't forget to follow uh, Kev on all the various social media places. And if you enjoy the show, I really would appreciate a review on iTunes or Google Play Store. So uh, do all that stuff. It helps uh, bump the show up. It helps support the show and and all that. Kev, thank you so much for for taking the time to talk about this book. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be getting back together on the show down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. And uh, like nice to talk to you outside the gym as well. (laughs) All right, man. Take care.